Right. Well, Andre, welcome. Um, really excited to have you on. This is our fir- first podcast we've done, isn't it? It is. And, yeah. um, oh, man. And what a joy to see your face again. I know. I know. It's so good. <laughs> uh, um, it's, it's great to have you on. It's been a year and a half for something that we visited you last. Yeah, I know. Um, were you planning to come to the UK? Did you Because you usually travel around this time of year, don't you? We do. We travel about three or four months per year. And usually we would do the USA for two or three months and then Europe for a month, UK for a month. Yeah. And obviously all our travel plans have yeah. been uh, postponed. <laughs> who knows when? Who knows? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. But, yeah. Yeah, because we've got used to hosting you now. We, we, we kind of like, it's like we get that kind of, oh, it's been about a year or so. Maybe we'll see Andre and Marianne will come and stay it's with nice us again. To get the phone call. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Where's my call saying, hey, have you got a bed in Manchester for me? Um, it's, a, it's a genuine highlight yes. of, my, of my year having you guys come and stay and just catch up and stuff. So I'm, I'm, at least we can have a good conversation here. And hopefully people it that listen in will enjoy What a joy to just you know, there's some friendships where you can just go and relax. And yeah. that's what we've yeah. always done with you guys. That's and so, good. Um, so now we're going to get our conversation done. Yeah, instead of... I know, I know. People get to listen in on what our conversation <laughs> might be. <laughs> I don't know if that's a, a, a good or bad thing. I'm probably, probably a scary mm. thing for some people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, like, what have you been up to? Like, uh, so what... what Last time we hung out, you, you were you were heavily focused on um, you, you were kind of about two and a half years into your online school that you do, which is all about mimesis. Is that still yes. a heavy focus of what you're doing day in day out? Definitely, we we kind of uh, began with a year long course on understanding mimetic theory and its relationship to scripture and its relationship to the way you tell your story, and that whole program which was much more it kind of focused on the whole breadth of this story how the meta narrative the, the big story is transformed from beginning to end mm. uh, through this insight but as we were going through that program we started noticing as well that there are some subjects that just gripped the hearts of people and they wanted to go deeper and so we developed a whole new year-long program, which is more focused on the depth rather than the width of right. the story. So we specifically look at um, mimesis in the Gospel of John. We then further explore the difference between conscious and unconscious in the way in which we tell our stories. Mm. Um, so it's a much more in-depth personal experience and we've run that course for the first time this year which has been such a joy That's and so from now on we do like two courses uh, per year oh, it's, man. <laughs> it's, i think it's in its fifth year now and uh, yeah you, you must have some serious stamina, honestly, Andre. About time, every time I go online, I've got another like um, notification that you've uploaded a new video to YouTube, or you know, I've got an email <laughs> of like another like little blog or something that you've written, and just like, dang! And you're running two schools. You just you're one of the people, one of the people I have in my life that keeps me going. You know, you 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 challenge the part in me that's going, oh, maybe I should. <laughs> maybe I don't need to watch another episode of that Netflix drama. <laughs> you are on it. We, so, I know, I must say that. The school is such a source of the inspiration for that because we yeah, in conversation with people every day. And I am amazed at some of the ideas. Mm. Part, part of the school is to kind of help people understand that the writing is not just assignments for the sake of impressing other people, but to really connect with your own understanding your own feelings your own unique voice and so that process of creating creative writing unleashes some of the most beautiful poetic ideas so a lot of you know a lot of the inspiration comes just from conversation 
with so the good. students. And that's yeah. that's something I've got to say, right? Of, of, of most of the people that I've been to, so I, I, I love listening to messages and, and, and honestly, I think your communication is one of my favorite. Uh, wow. The way you tell stories, the way you put it into words, it's just such a beautiful way of communicating truth. Um, but I will say, what I find most alluring about you, Andre, is that you're one of those people that again and again and again, whenever I'm in a, a group of people with you and you're here to share the message, I'm always amazed yeah. by how little you share the message and how much you create a conversation. And, and I know that for you has come through through your traveling. I know you and Marianne mm. traveled for like three years straight at one point, or was it, was it three? Was it about that? Seven. Oh god! I can't even imagine. Oh god! I just knew it was a horrific amount of time, and I was like, "Oh, probably about three sounds terrible." <laughs> um, but I know that that shaped massively how you how you went about communicating as well. We we discovered at about just about every community that we visited that there was a desperate hunger for people to just be able to honestly converse. Mm. Um, we then uh, uh, um, developed a method. It's actually something that was developed in the UK and the friend of ours introduced us to this method. It was quite funny. It was in Wales. And the person who introduced us to this method of being a catalyst for conversation, he was a professor at one of the universities. And um, he said, well, why don't you come and apply that method? And the group that he got together, there were about four or five believers and four or five atheists. And that was the first time that we now had to facilitate the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> and it turned out to be amazing. Um, uh, the first time we facilitated a, a conversation with that method. Yeah, And so we continue to apply that method. Many times we with a community or a church for a weekend or a few days. Mm. So we might, we might take the first session and speak and introduce a theme. But after that, a lot of it um, is in conversation. Yeah. And that has been so beneficial. Yeah. Uh, to, to also for us to see what people are actually grasping what they're not what they're struggling with it's been very useful to draw people into that conversation yeah i had um i had a weekend away last year with my partners um and we all got together well not all but a, a few of us it was about 25 or so of us um uh, this little like retreat somewhere um, and i use this it's, it's called is it community of inquiry is that it right is. Yeah, so right. I, I applied this. I'd heard it from you, and I was thinking, oh, I yes. don't know how to. How do you even begin to scratch your people? When you get twenty-five people, they're all so different because, yes, you know, people that follow me range from complete atheists that have completely uh, walked away from Christianity or are just um, bemused by Christianity, looking in, right through to people that yes. are quite, quite um, traditional and even fundamental still in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. That whole range yeah. are there, and they all support me because they have a relationship with me. Well, when you are fundamentally in a relationship with me, you can get a certain yes. idea of who I am and what I'm going to talk about. And when you're an atheist <laughs> and, have a, and have a conversation, it's going to be different conversations you're having with you. You have yes. a different relationship. You have a different conversation. So I was like, where do I even begin? And it was Tilly that reminded me. She's like, do you remember what Andre said? We should try this. And, and it honestly yeah. was amazing. Can, can, you can you explain to people like how it works? I think, honestly, I think people listening in, especially people that have communities and they mm. do um, facilitate conversations or maybe they, they want to give messages but they'd love for it to be more interactive I think this is a brilliant method I can I can explain how it works quickly because um, maybe I must contrast it first of all with the general way in which we would have done conversation mm, before yeah you would you would give your little message and then you would open it up to comments and questions the problem with that is all the questions were addressed to me. Mm. <laughs> and that's not really a conversation that is kind of still mainly I'm the speaker. Still and, the Andre Rape Show, right? <laughs> yes. And everyone's got their comments and, and questions. Now, sometimes when we have a limited amount of time and I desperately want to know where people are, we still make use of it. Yeah. 
but so the difference with the community of inquiry, which I think there's links, if you look it up, I've forgotten the name already, I've, we just do it. <laughs> Basically, I would introduce a topic for maybe 15 to 20 minutes. Thereafter, we divide the group and maybe a group of between 20 and 50 people is ideal for this kind of uh, setup. If you've got a much larger group, I would divide them up into groups of 50 and do it with each one of those oh, groups of okay. 50. So within a group of 50, we would um, then divide them up uh, five people in a group. Um, or we can do 10 people, as long as you get the even spread. Uh, then once we've divided everyone up into their groups, we ask them to take five minutes to just have a general conversation about the theme that we've introduced. Uh, and we would, okay, if it's five people in a group, we would say five, five minutes, each person gets a minute. If it's 10 people in a group, you've got 10 minutes. Yeah. So again, we want to encourage every person to be able to participate. Every mm. person has a minute to say what connected, what questions do I have? After they've done their general um, discussion, we then give them an opportunity to develop in their group a specific question about this theme. Mm. Now, uh, that might take, you know, another 10 or 15 minutes. And again, we encourage each one needs to contribute to forming this question. And the question also, this is where it becomes important. It needs to be an open question. You know, if, okay. if I ask, what's your name? There's kind of <laughs> one, uh, one correct answer to that. Yeah. <laughs> it's not Peter. <laughs> no, it's Phil. Um, but if I had to ask you, what does a good name mean to you? Mm. Now, a variety of opinions and answers could be equally valid. Mm. And so we encourage people to develop open questions, questions that invites conversation. And the easy way to evaluate whether your question is open is, and, and you'd be surprised how many times you have to say this within this group, but very <laughs> often they develop a question for which the answer is yes or no. Yeah, That's absolutely. not an open question. <laughs> um, uh, so you've got to reiterate that if you can answer your question with a yes or no, or with one correct answer, it's not open. Yeah. So yeah. Help I've been teaching my Instagram audience this because uh, I do Q&As <laughs> on Instagram every week. And um, yes. generally speaking, if people ask closed questions, I will reply yes or no, if that's an option. And they, they quickly are left <laughs> going, all right, I better think of a better way to put it. And I, <laughs> I, I, a lot of the times I do give them a proper answer, but sometimes I'm just like, guys, learn how to ask questions. Come yes. on. Anyway, sorry. Absolutely. <laughs> and so once, once each group has developed a question, they then choose one person in the group to present the question to the whole group. They can explain a little bit of how they got to that question. And this is where it gets interesting. Once all, let's say there were five groups of 10 people. Once each of the five groups have read their question and you number the questions one, two, three, four, and five, we now gonna all vote about which question we want to discuss further. Yeah. So the nice thing about this is I'm not in charge of what question I yeah. like most. This is everybody deciding which is the question they want. And the nice thing is they feel that too, that it's yeah. not me having said, this is what we're gonna discuss. Everybody here developed a question we then vote for which question we want to uh, discuss further. And yeah, I won't go into the technicalities of that. Yeah, they can look up the community yeah. of inquiry online and find that. And 
then we present the question, and this is also where there's a marked difference. When the question is presented, those who want to answer kind of lift their hands or offer a question, and the person who presented the question then chooses who answers. Right. So it's no longer just the teacher who answers the question. The person asking the question has to choose of those who want to answer. And after that person has given his contribution or given his question, he or she then chooses the next person who mm. wants to contribute. So suddenly the conversation is happening between the people. Yeah. In every group like that, you find one person always who would talk 95% of the yeah. time. And so this is also a brilliant way of saying, okay, when you are chosen, you've got two minutes to make your statement or give your question, then you have to move on. And the thing is, once you've chosen, once somebody has chosen that person who just wants to go on and on and on, it's amazing how they never get chosen again. So <laughs> that, that, that is a wonderful dynamic that just naturally happens within the group. Yeah. And everybody wants to hear from the person who's always quiet. Yeah, the person, absolutely. The person who never has the confidence to say, this is what I think. Now, when they put up their hand, they are yeah. chosen to, to speak and everybody can hear. So that has been a brilliant way to just get the conversation to flow beyond just a group and the one person with all the answers or opinions yeah to actually be a real conversation within the group where everybody contributes yeah such a huge thing isn't it because i know for me like for years when i was traveling that's how i did it, it you know and i i think mm. i was doing well by offering people the opportunity to ask some questions you know i was like oh <laughs> no one else does this that i know it, so i'm like yeah, it's, it's just a step like, forward you know i'm giving a, a a message for 45 minutes and now i'm saying hey i'll take questions for 30 minutes i'm like that's very progressive of me isn't it yes. but it's still the filter <laughs> i still show it's still what do i think it's still even the the assumption mm. that oh you have a question well i'll have an answer for you <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Good luck, really, yeah. if you expect anything yeah. too uh, <laughs> profound from me. Uh, but the, 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 the mentality that is, well, actually, as a group, surely we are much more likely to question mm. something more thoroughly and mm -hmm. um, reason and answer more thoroughly together than we are as one person. No matter how uh, learned they are in a specific area, the group is mm. always likely to produce a better result. Um, and Absolutely. it sounds like... For you, that's something that you're benefiting from as well. It's helping you produce material and things like that, having um, discourse rather than just constantly speaking. Right. It, is, it, is, it is so beneficial, not just for the people, but very often if you were for church for a whole weekend, uh, you know, we do a normal, uh, maybe inspirational message on the Friday night, but very often the whole Saturday, would be you speak from eight in the morning till eight at night. <laughs> now oh. I do one session and then it's over to the whole group for discussion, yeah. which can take up to two hours. And mm. um, even just giving my voice a break. That, yeah. That's awesome. Besides the content that comes out of it. And it's amazing. People somehow just remember much better if they thought of the question and the answer mm. than if somebody else told them what's a good question and what's a good answer. Yeah. Uh, your participation makes any event much more beneficial and memorable. Yeah. That's really interesting. So did, how have you found that as, I, I don't really know, um, for me, I know my transition as I've been on this journey of whatever this journey is that we're on, um, I found myself working a lot less closely with um, more institutional-like churches. I don't know if mm -hmm. that's been your experience as well, but um, as far as going into churches and running this, are you, are you, do you still do that to some degree? We are, 
rather amazed at the fact that we, <laughs> when we travel, we, we still have invitations from churches almost every weekend. Wow. But a lot of our interaction are with groups who no longer associate or have a connection to a religious institution. You know this, I know this, there are millions of former believers who are stepping outside of the boundaries of their church organizations and realizing that this is meant to be life. This is meant mm. to be lived. Now, they might step out with all kinds of hurts, all kinds of problems, but very soon they also discover that there is something beautiful and and beneficial of still gathering uh, with other believers. Yeah. Uh, there's an opportunity for fellowship, for connection. That's beautiful. And so the, the home groups, uh, very much in the States and in the UK, and to a lesser degree here in South Africa, hmm. home groups are starting to sprout up everywhere. And this is not a church with a cell group. This is a home group that's got no association with a, yeah. a church or institution. So we find ourselves with those groups mm. during the week and then with uh, churches over the weekend. Um, and there are still, I'm, I'm quite hopeful that there, there are churches who desperately want truth <laughs> yeah no i i fully believe I, that i fully do yes yeah i i so enjoyed what um it was a commentator from the 18th century and he was reading this piece in in the book of revelations speaking about the new jerusalem heaven uh, and observing that one little sentence that John writes, I saw no temple there. <laughs> mm. And this, imagine that heaven is a place where there's no church, mm. where there's no temple. <laughs> How do we fit that into our doctrine? Yeah. And his observation was stunningly beautiful. Wow. He said, if your organization exists and tells people that they cannot live without this organization, mm. it has lost its validity. But if your organization exists for teaching people how to live without it, then yeah. it is valid. <laughs> yeah. And so his whole definition of church is, if your church teaches you how to live without the church, it's valid. Yeah. If it tries to teach you that you need the church to be whole and complete, then it has lost its validity. Yeah. And so there are, there are some churches and some groups and organizations who gets this, who, mm. who says we don't exist for our own sake. We don't uh, exist just for people to bless us and to make us grow, but we exist to teach people how to live without a religious institution organization and so we we find ourselves in those churches and uh, we love it there's a, a lot of organizations going through some deep transformation it and it, any transformation is not always easy it always involves yeah. death and resurrection yeah but it's necessary yeah uh so good it's, it's so relevant to right now as well you know i, I I was reading, I, I, I've been chatting a little bit on and off, just touching, poking the hornet's nest a little bit, maybe, um, about some yeah. of the church's response to this pandemic, which I will say up front, on the whole, the church has done really, really, really well. They've been quick to go, okay, well, let's close doors. We don't need to meet every mm -hmm. week in that context. Um, let's yes. remain uh, focused on providing, you know, um, food banks and making sure mm -hmm. that vulnerable people have their medications and food and, you know, support, or they've got, I've seen one church open up a call center that people run mm -hmm. from their homes. So the, the, the number gets forwarded to multiple mobiles of people that kind of have a bank of hours that they do from home. So they're isolated. Okay. And, anyone that feels alone 
or isolated or a bit lonely can call with someone, yes. just chat to someone. And I was like, oh, that's a wow. beautiful service. So, so many churches yeah. are doing really well. And then, <laughs> and you know, there's a, and then, right? Yes. And, and then there's the churches that are like, this is against, you know, God's holy law, yeah. the American constitution. Um, or, you know, this the is against, you know, beginning of the great we're gonna meet anyway. And yeah, this is the mark of the beast. And this is how they get you to <laughs> buy your bread with 666 is by getting a vaccinated. Or, you know, who knows? You know, there's a whole spread of like mm. responses. But what's fascinating mm. is, how many of them it has boiled down to they they're not about enabling people to have a relationship mm. with the divine uh, in the, yes. the ins and outs of every moment of every day they're about yes. creating a reliance on a relationship with an organization um, yeah. and, and that's really what it, it is boiled down to for a lot of these um these people i, I don't think it's um it's a uh, coincidence that those mm. that are well known as some of the more prosperous and um, perceived to be some of the more abusive uh, or leaders in, in in the church are the most yeah. vocal about how important it is people keep coming to church and giving. Yes. <laughs> I, I don't think that's Absolutely. a coincidence, you know. No. I don't. I, I don't see like the you know the regular pastor that's doing his thing, is visiting people yes. in the hospital, that's you know that's just loving people. I don't see him yeah. trying to manipulate people to coming to church nearly as much. Yeah. Um, no. And so I think that there's there's definitely this element within Christianity that is mm. it's the it's the the bad element of the leaven that ruins the loaf, right? Mm. It's that thing that runs yeah. through us all of greed or whatever that that is sitting going. But we do need people to rely on us, or else the organization is not going to flourish. If there's no is, fear, if there's no guilt, and I can't reinforce your fear and guilt on a weekly yeah. basis, then you might have no reason to be in relationship. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's so fascinating. And it's so cool that you do stuff like this with, with communities and, and churches. And mm. um, uh, uh, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that, uh, that you're finding plenty of homes to do this in, plenty of groups that are yes. meeting in homes. Because that's what I'm seeing more and more. The fact that I'm not speaking in churches nearly as much has not slowed down the amount of people that have gone, hey, we'd love you to come and speak to us still. Um, yes. You know, there's, there's yes. so many people out there that are, um, disenfranchised, uh, feeling disconnected yes. from that model of what it looks like to be yeah. whatever. <laughs> um, and going, no, there's a better way. There's a different way. There's a, there's a, there's another uh, expression of this. It's really cool. Absolutely. Um, and one that gives everyone that voice. I think that's such a thing that people are desperately crying out for is to have a voice. It is. And, and you know, part of that is, if you don't have a voice, and I think a lot of people are even experiencing, let me divorce it for, from a moment from church and then bring it back. But even at the moment, we are bombarded from every media outlet with one story. You know, mm. COVID-19 pandemic. It's like you can't open any you can open an email from a company totally unrelated and they want to <laughs> give you their sympathies for your current pandemic and COVID-19. Everything yeah. is drawn into this narrative. And like most people, you get sick of it. Can you just please give me another story? And you know, I think part of the joy of being human is this freedom we've been given to create our own narratives, mm. to draw from the symbols and, and the stories and the narratives we are in. We don't want to just completely isolate ourselves from this world narrative. We are part of this world. But something creative needs to happen within your own consciousness to make yourself part of a story and make the story part of you in a unique way. If we just bombard or allow ourselves to be bombarded with the story and only react to it, there's nothing creative happening. And if there's nothing creative happening, we lose uh, an essential part of what makes us human. And so I think that is what happened in a lot of churches as well. If you just attend and you hear the narrative 
perspective and the interpretation given to one or a select group of three or four or five constantly and you know everybody's got to toe the line got to keep mm. with the, the the official story the official narrative it has robbed people of that essential human freedom to create your own meaning and to creatively reinterpret the story and find yourself in it. It is not true participation to say hello and goodbye to people five minutes before and five minutes after a meeting. <laughs> mm. Who are we kidding? Um, to just be constantly indoctrinated week after week after week is simply not going to work. There's time for a service, for a meeting, for worship, but surely there should be time for genuine conversation, for people to ask questions that actually does go beyond the official statement of faith. What, what could happen with asking questions? Either you're going to discover that you might have to expand your statement of faith. <laughs> or I think this is why people are so worried. We, we don't want to rediscuss mm. those fundamentals. But it is really discussing those things that's either going to really settle it deep down in people's hearts or expand us to something bigger. But yeah. again, conversation and the ability for people to be creative participants within this narrative is so important. Yeah. Even now, you know, in the beginning of this year, I think it was January, I brought out a little teaching or video. I just felt so inspired to do it and I just, I think I just termed it joy, which might be the wrong terminology because the, the content of the whole message was find a space where you can silence all the other voices, all the other media outlets, and creatively reinterpret the symbols and the messages that you receive. Because that is part of joy is that creative capacity um so that i i didn't know how relevant it would be but as the media became more and more overwhelmingly focused on one message you realize how quickly it can become depressive if that is your only input yeah. you've got to start discovering another source of narrative yeah. Well, I think this is something we do. Um, and this might go back to your um, conscious and unconscious, but this is something we do unconsciously all the time, right? So everything that mm. happens to us, we frame within uh, some sort of narrative. We, we, we have to have some sort of linearity to life and, and put ourselves on it somehow so that it yes. means something that it makes sense. And, and our brain just, it does that. We, we, we interpret a meaning to something, whether that's the meaning or not. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. So truth doesn't really matter in a sense. You know, our brains are wired for safety, not truth. And so as long as our brain can go, yes. oh, I feel safe in this nice narrative I've constructed for myself so that when that yeah. happens, I know how I fit. I know why it's happening. I know where we're going next, yeah. you know. And, and so we, we're doing that constantly. Every single new bit of information we get, we're, we're yes. piecing into the narrative. Um, and, and so are you saying that, that it, it's part of a healthy um, day-to-day living to actively engage with that and do that on a more conscious level. Is that kind of some of what you're saying there? Most definitely. That there's, there's a spot where I withdraw from this construct, this story in which I just react. Mm. And whether people find this through a form of meditation or whether I find it through just consciously saying what are the voices and the messages that have been influencing me today and i think that yeah. becomes obvious wow. if you go and say i want to sit still and be quiet for five ten minutes and observe my thoughts yeah 
we become so, as you say, so unconsciously part of our thinking that we don't realize that there's something about me that is beyond those thoughts. Mm. So when I sit still and for a moment, I'm just saying, let me just see what I'm thinking about. And as I enter the silence, a thought might pop up. A very simple meditative process is to say, okay, I acknowledge that thought, but I'm not going to hold on to it. I'm just going to let it pass by. Yeah. So what is the next thought that comes up? Oh, that thought. Okay, I acknowledge that thought. I don't want to fight it, but I'm not going to hold on to it either. Let me let mm. it pass by. And after a while, you can start seeing what are the major things and thoughts that are influencing your state of being. And if you're constantly just involved in the media, it's just going to be one story, one worry, one anxiety after yeah. the other. And so that is a space in which I consciously try to, to take a step back from my thoughts, to simply observe them until I get to a space where they don't flow through that often anymore and I can actually start touching silence yeah. <laughs> and and I can say okay for, I can start from a different space of interpreting my story of considering what I involve myself with because your story although it is an essential part of who you are it is not the whole of you there's something about you that is more than your story because your story the known you is that construct of interpretation that is that's been formed mainly by the conscious part of you it's self-consciousness is really a consciousness of your story of how i interpret my history my life and my future but there's a part of you that that's deeper <laughs> that's not constrained by that structure by that story that is still open to astonishment because you know we can become so involved in your own beliefs how right you are what your story is what things mean and the, the, the day that you become absolutely certain about who you are is also the day you become absolutely boring. Yeah. There, there has to be a part of us that remains open to astonishment, to a beauty that surprises us. And you cannot be astonished and certain at the same time. <laughs> the experience of astonishment is the experience of I'm decented, I'm confused, something I've confronted me that doesn't fit into my normal story. Yeah. It is surprising, it is overwhelming, it is I can't get the hold of it or grip it. Mm. And that is where creative meaning making happens. Mm. It doesn't happen when we just respond to the media that comes to us to the stories that comes to us it, it it starts when we can take all those stories observe them but kind of enter into that place outside of our framework of interpretation into that place of chaos of silence and begin to create new meaning from that mm. area. So I think the unconscious to a large extent is that space within us where different meaning is still possible. The way we consciously interpret things and the way we unconsciously observe things differ. And, and the unconscious offers the possibility of new meaning, which is not possible if we just continue to live in I am right, I know it, my story is correct. 
yeah. you've got to actually make room for new meaning. Yeah. That's so fascinating to me. Like I, this is so I I have just become enamored by the concept of consciousness as a whole. You know, I, I've been studying yeah. kind of Eastern uh, mysticism religions um, for the last kind of three or four years. I just love the 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 tradition of people that for the last like three plus thousand years have just sat and gone what the hell's happening here you know like, yes. <laughs> that's basically so that's my rough summary of what eastern mysticism is, is them sitting going, what is this you know i mean literally Wonder. this a what is this and, and, and just taking a step back and and then having a thought and going well who's thinking that like who's who's watching me have that thought is that me or is the yes. thing thinking me or what, what? and then who's yes. oh, and how many times can i go back and observe that observation and at what point yes. am I me and what, what you know, and, and, and I'm just fascinated by a culture that spent so much time yeah. um, observing, you know, in the, that mm. unconscious space going, oh, interesting. That's the narrative I'm giving myself. Oh, I'm allowing myself mm. to be limited by that story. Um, yes. and, and it's been really ex exciting to me to explore. I have to confess, I'm so bad at it, Andre. <laughs> the way you describe it, I'm like, that's, that's how to do it. Yeah, but I'm really bad at it. <laughs> so, um, I, I'm not naturally inclined to it either. Okay. <laughs> because I, I do wonder sometimes if people are a little bit more naturally inclined to it or, or not. But um, when I hear certain people talk about it, you know. Um, but it's certainly, to me, it's, it's that ability to just be present in the moment and take a step back and not allow myself to, um, whatever language we give these, these stories, myths, you know, mm. narratives, all, all these things that kind of shape who I think I am and what I think I'm a victim of and what I think I can do. Um, mm. All of that is kind of like this framed kind of thing. And I can easily yes. step out of it and go, oh, look at that. You know, the way, uh, yeah. one of my favorite uh, people on the planet, just the funniest guy, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Pete Holmes. Uh, he's a comedian in America. And he's, no. he's very, very spiritual. Um, he, I don't think he would uh, associate with Christianity himself anymore, or that has been his path. Um, okay. And he, he often talks about um, his way of engaging with this when he gets a bit like overwhelmed, or he's in the moment, or he misses that turning for that, you know junction or he's getting really upset because his wife's yelling at him or whatever and he, he always says the way i do it is he says take a step back and i look at this episode and he says i just see every day of my life as an episode and i'm like whoa what great episodes <laughs> the episode where they had this huge blowout and i got kicked out of my house and i slept on the couch with my friends and then how's he gonna turn this one around you know or um, because yes. when you take a step back and just look upon it um, and, and what's interesting about it, he was saying as well, as he was saying, what's interesting is a lot of episodes that we feel less strain, less stress, less anxiety about are really crap episodes. Do you know what mm. I mean? Like they're the ones that don't move life forwards. They don't change yeah. things internally. They don't push you towards being a better person or cause you to go out of your comfort zone. The, the days where we do just sit and watch Netflix all day and like just type in at the computer and we feel like, all right, another day yeah. exactly the same as the last one. It is the days when yeah. we have a fight with a loved one. It is the days when we lose our job. It is the day when we find out a loved one's got cancer that you go, gosh, tell you what, good episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you can disconnect <laughs> yourself. But, but it's, it's disconnecting. Yes. It's being able to observe when actually really when I'm in the midst of the narrative, the narrative that says, I'm supposed to live this long. I'm supposed to yes. have a great relationship. I'm supposed to never fight yes. with anyone. I'm supposed to, all these supposed tos, um, yes. which I think, again, they're just confinements for us. When you can take a step out of that, you yeah. go, gosh, this is an amazing opportunity for Phil to grow. Who, who's saying exactly. this is a great opportunity for Phil? I don't know. <laughs> you know is that really yes. Phil? And what am I? And <laughs> that, that, that to me is just a fascinating, the whole metaphysical kind of yeah. concept of, of what's going on there but i do yeah. it's been a really powerful thing for me because I, I get really anxious and, and overwhelmed very easily yes. um yeah. i do yeah. not like being out of my comfort zone and things changing and not going the way that they, they should um and I, it can spiral i can get really anxious i can get quite depressed like i, I really don't cope mm. well um and it's been an amazing tool for me to take a step back and observe and go oh yeah. phil yeah. is really upset right now what are you thinking yeah. right now phil oh why are you thinking like that could could i think about it this hmm. way and would that make a difference it's, it's an amazing tool um so powerful how's that how's that 
worked out for you? Because I know for me, it's been really um, meaningful, but I know most people aren't as much of a mess for me uh, as me. Uh, so um, day in, day out, how's that, how's that changed the practice of being able to observe and, and, and live in a bit of a more unconscious space? What's that look like for you day in, day out? Is that something you practice so, regularly or? So maybe I must start off with, you know, three different, very quickly, three different forms of meditation because people often get them confused now. Sure. And we actually, this is the first two months of our um, program now is just called Practicing Presence. And it is mm. all about how to enter that place of silence, how to unlock the unconscious, how to step out of your conscious story and open yourself up to meanings be beyond that story. So what most people will probably be from a Christian background, what they would consider meditation is you meditate on the scriptures, for instance. I mm. find the verse for the day and I'm going to think about that throughout the day. So that is called, uh, it's a concentrative type of meditation. I give my concentration to a specific text, a specific thought, a specific picture to uncover the beauty and the value in it. So it has its value, it's got its place. But the practice that we moved into more and more is what I would call a receptive type of meditation. And so with this type of meditation, we don't uh, concentrate on any specific scripture, thought, word, etc. But we simply want to enter that space of receptivity. So I come into the space where for a moment I just make sure I'm comfortable with where I sit. Um, maybe let me give you just a quick story of how we got into this. Oh yeah, sure. Because on one of our travels, I mean, we, we've started practicing it and we, we love Richard Raw and we've mm. seen some of his centering prayer and we've listened to many books on meditations. And on one of our trips, it was to Canada. Mary Ann actually had just a silent prayer that she didn't even tell me about. But she said, Lord, I want to learn about two things more. Um, the first is I want to learn a bit more about uh, the Enneagram because it's a way of telling a story. Each one of us have got different ways of telling our stories. And secondly, I would love to, to really learn from somebody who has done this how to do centering prayer, mm. um, that receptive form of, uh, of prayer. And so the next day we were with a pastor at a meal and while the, the conversation came up about the Enneagram and one of the ladies in his congregation is actually qualified by university and they were doing a whole program on it that weekend. And we normally don't have weekends free. Our weekends are always booked. Yeah. That weekend we were free. Wow. And they just sponsored us. So we went onto this Enneagram training brilliant wonderful weekend and the people that then came and fetched us from this to take us to our next week of ministry at their home we just got into the car and the conversation went to meditation centering prayer turns out they they've been practicing meditation for 40 years and uh, for the last seven or eight years, she was teaching Centering Prayer. And she said, I would love to teach you this practice during this week. So we had a whole week with these people who have practiced it for 40 years wow. to daily just go through the practice. That was a number of years ago. Since then, we've done some meditative retreats, etc. So it is a habit. Um, a habit of 20 minutes a day we kind of advocate two times a day of 20 minutes 
honestly, I only managed one session today. Aim <laughs> for we, two, hit one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, and even that wasn't as consistent as it had to be in the beginning. I mm. think uh, maybe like yourself, I am more of a, a, a hit type person. I, uh, um, I'm not that comfortable with going into my just feelings or let, letting my thoughts go. I'm comfortable in thinking through things and being mm. busy in my head. Um, but that is where growth appears, is when we step outside of what we are naturally comfortable with. So it took me a while, but uh, the the practice of and and again I've got a little video. It's called the prayer that unlocks the unconscious, and that gives you just the basic ideas of what it means to enter this silence, to enter this place where I'm not focusing or concentrating on any specific word or any specific sentence but i'm just being open and receptive to to the experience of god and i mm. i guess that is that is a key thing to understand that there is something about god which is beyond language yeah and there is something about you which is beyond language and if you're just continually involved in your thinking and your thoughts, you're missing out on an incredible depth of experience and meaning, which is beyond words. Wow. Um, I mean, I can carry on and on and on well, about the subject. Yeah, it, it, it fascinates me. I often think of it. You know, it's funny as well. I was literally thinking about two days ago. I was like, man. I really, really need to figure out the Enneagram because I keep trying to get into it and I just can't. But uh, it's just funny yeah. you brought that up. Anyway, we can maybe talk about that <laughs> just because a whole nother distraction. But how, yeah. how do you, you suppose... Speak to Mary Ann about that. Is that the one to do? Yeah, oh, we should have... Yeah, oh gosh, tell her that I want to have her on and we can have a good chat about it. Yes, she but, will uh, be free. How do you recommend, generally speaking, for people that are interested? Because I get asked a lot of times, people like, "Well, how do I do more kind of contemplative prayer and um, and and you know, centering prayer and things?" Like that? Do you have a path that you said you maybe wrote some stuff, or or is there? I know for a lot of people that want to get into meditation, there's apps like you know Sam Harris's app or um, Headspace and things like that. People find them very helpful. Is there something yes. that is um, translatable, maybe that's more? uh quote unquote so, christian or a lot of people don't care about uh, yeah. the christian elements of it as well yes. so maybe uh whatever you i guess you might have found helpful on that path or know that maybe people yes. might find helpful or maybe you just you know i <laughs> i listened to a number of books and how many podcasts and for how long the the only obstacle is i didn't do it mm. <laughs> i could listen and listen and think oh that's a brilliant idea and that should work well i just still did not do it you're and, like me andre my wife always complains you know <laughs> if, if there's anything i can't do or don't know i'm like i'll just buy a book on that and i just straight to amazon and oh, I, now, I now know how to knock down a wall and I rebuild know. it <laughs> I'm like, she gives me yeah, a hammer. I'm like, I don't know what to do actually. <laughs> Let me. I can rewrite the book on it for you if you want. Yes. Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> and I think that is exactly what happened with meditation. And I've discovered that in the process of doing it, I've learned so much more than all the books. So instead of mm. you know spending more money, there's two free resources that is really just a quick. 10-minute introduction into the pro process. It, and it's under a playlist of, I think it's just called Silence on our YouTube um, mm. channel. The one is called The Private and Lockstand Conscious. And the other one is called What to Expect from 20 Minutes of Silence. So those are two very simple introductions. But the most important step you can take after you've listened to just that introduction is just go and sit on your couch set your timer for 20 minutes and just sit <laughs> and follow those those very basic techniques described in the 
and do it. It's yeah. in the process of actually doing it that you're going to discover things about yourself, about what bothers you, what works, what doesn't work, what helps, what, what was euphoric, what was blissful, what was just the irritation. All of those things only mm. come out in the actual practice yeah. of, of, um, of the meditation. Yeah. yeah, I know for me, I, I, I want to do it, but I don't really, because if I wanted to do it truly, I just do it, you know, so there's an element yes. of me that's resistance, I don't know if that's ego, I don't know what the, what that is, but I do know mm. that when I do do it, I always yes. feel like a million dollars, just just for yeah. having had, no, I don't know if I always feel like a million dollars, but I always feel better for it, I think, you know, mm -hmm. I, 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 there's always an element of me feeling a bit more connected with myself, a bit more grounded, a bit more present, yes. Um I never, I never bemoan losing that 20, 30 minutes of time just sitting. Um, but before I do it, I'm sitting going, oh, I just don't have 20, 30 minutes. I've, I've got too much to do. And <laughs> there's, so, there's 110 excuses yes. I've got. Um, and, and, yeah. I, and talk about narratives and stories, right? I can't frame my entire past of every time I've done it, enjoying it and, and appreciating it. I can't frame that yes. in a way that actually makes me do it again. I'm still going, yes. oh, no, I don't have time to meditate today. I don't have time to be contemplative <laughs> or, or to do that um yeah and it's so fascinating to me because you know this is probably what i was like as a as a as a good christian boy that was supposed to do his quiet time every day right <laughs> well, I, yes. I don't have time oh, oh, i should do it you know i've just yeah. translated into something else that i don't have time for but yes. i feel guilty about and <laughs> it's just it's fascinating but um but i, yes. I agree like that for me it's it's just getting stuck in and actually um, having a bit more practice, the more I do get into the zone of, of doing it fairly mm. frequently, the, the, the harder it is to break because I do appreciate it. I do find yes. value in it. I do wake up and think, oh gosh, I can't wait to meditate. Um, yes. But as soon as I break that cycle, I tell you, man, I, I, I am a nightmare trying to get back into it. So <laughs> you've inspired me to try and uh, focus a bit more. I've been doing it a bit more Very actually. Good. The sun, <laughs> COVID's yeah. kicking off. There's not much else to do. I'll just sit in the garden. Um, but yeah. <laughs> And it shows you how predominant this conscious story is, yeah. uh, how, how it rebels against the idea of, we're just going to ignore you for 20 minutes. No, no, mm. don't ignore me. Absolutely. <laughs> My story <laughs> is the most important. <laughs> do, do you think that's what it is? You know, there's, there's this element of, of the, uh, you know, a lot of people would call that of the, the ego, right? Self. And it's going, oh, yes. don't. Don't take my my me. Don't don't mess yes. with that idea. Don't don't challenge the the, the story I've created. You know, because it's, yeah. it's an existential crisis for me. And we uh, we actually we exhaust ourselves mm -hmm. with our conscious story. I mean, that's why you need to sleep at night. You you've you exhausted of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, meditation is a beautiful a, a beautiful to bring a relationship between the unconscious and the conscious that is much more healthy and balanced so that there's a mixture of the reasonable and the imaginative. There's this beautiful reconciliation of these two parts that makes you who you are uh, that is hugely beneficial. We've been yeah. you know, practicing it as a habit now for maybe three years or so. And um, it, it has become just such a beautiful, essential part of our lives, uh, a, a connection with that silence on a daily mm. basis. Yeah. Do, I, what's, what's your, so for me, my biggest takeaway from practicing this, as little as I do, um, my biggest takeaway is just how extraordinarily wrong my narrative is most of the time. Uh, you know, yeah. it's not even like yeah. sometimes I've got it wrong, but almost all yeah. the time I've got s the, the story I've created to make myself feel comfortable or happy or whatever it is that I think yes. I'm doing this about, or maybe I'm not particularly thinking about it and it's just pieced together for me by news, by other people, by my religion, by yes. my tradition. But generally speaking, when I do evaluate it, and maybe maybe that yeah. is why I'm so scared of evaluating it, it's, it's crumbling yeah. around me in my whole uh, world that I create. How is it? Um, what, what have been some of the big takeaways for you? How, how has this affected you rubber hits the roads day in, day out? Mm. So it has helped me to not be as hasty 
or impatient mm. about reacting or having a ready-made story for either a situation I face myself or a question or place that I'm confronted with something else to, to learn how to draw from a place deeper than just this framework of interpretation that's already there. Mm. Now, over time, that framework, it's either become going to become more elastic, able to incorporate new ideas and experiences, or it's going to become more brittle. Mm. Normally, when you're very certain that you are right, it's a sign of a structure that is very brittle yep. and that needs a lot of defense. Let me give you an example of how this practically affected our, affected our lives. Um, a couple of, a year and a half ago, it was just before Christmas, um, Mary Ann had a, like a routine visit to the doctor and the doctor suddenly said, we need to do a biopsy. Uh, it's, I, I'm really concerned. And basically, it was on Christmas Day that she was booked in um, to hospital for them wow. to do a biopsy and, and see whether there's a cancerous growth. Um, now, you can imagine, we, we're excited about having a fun-full, peaceful Christmas, but yeah. now we actually have to prepare and go into hospital for surgery. And what she did, which, you know, she would explain it better, but one of the things that we use within our time of receptiveness is we would have what we call a sacred word. It's nothing sacred about the word. It's just that word that you use when you observe a thought and you become conscious of the fact that you're thinking this thought. You want to move it on and start afresh, you use this word. It can be anything. It can be presence. It can be God. It can be Abba, whatever. It just means I thought of you enough. Move on. Abba, I'm resetting. Hmm. Let's see what comes next. Yeah. And so it becomes a practice that's associated with, with falling into that peace and into that place of experiencing God. She was in the hospital just before she had to go into the theater for the biopsy. And she just said this word. She didn't sit down to meditate. She just went back to a sacred word, Abba, whatever it was. Immediately, that peace, that stillness that we normally experience during time of meditation was there. Mm. The anxiety was gone. She's in that zone of receptive experience of God. A doctor walked past, not even her doctor or the doctor that was to do the biopsy. He just looked at the, the scans and he said, I'm not happy with the fact that we have to cut you today. I'm just not happy. Do you mind if I just do another test? And she said, no, please go for it. They didn't have a test and they decided the biopsy and surgery is not necessary, um, wow. that it is fine as it is. And so within an hour, <laughs> it was all over. Wow. But I think that hopefully is a practical example that this practice where I draw into that place of conscious awareness of experiencing God without my focus of, of a raw encounter with peace and silence, when it becomes a habit, it's much easier to access it yeah, just with just a word. Step back in. Yeah. Or step out. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Andre, I know you've got to um, run, but uh, we should, yes. uh, we should, do this again. I think we could talk I about pretty much anything, all. couldn't we? This has been great. We could. Um, <laughs> but let's let's definitely do it again. And also, I want to have Marianne on. We, we need to we need to have um, we need to have her on an episode as well to talk about this, the centering, I will tell her. all sorts of different stuff. So, um, yeah, make sure. 
uh, she, she's ready because it's going to happen. She will be. <laughs> so for those Bless of um, you, people that are listening in, how can they connect with you? Where, where, where's the best place to connect with you? What, what kind um, of resources you got for them? You know, give, give a bit of a so plug on, about how to connect. Okay. So on our website, um, it's called always loved with a D at the end.net. You will find the links to our YouTube channel. You can also just search on YouTube to, for always love. Um, we, from there, you can get the connection to, you know, books. This is the latest one, Creative Chaos. Yeah. Um, but on our website, you, we've got articles, videos, audios, um, mostly freely available. And also a link to our academy. It's called Mimesis Academy. Uh, that runs from January to December. And so registrations for next year will become available in, uh, in September again. But yes, please do connect. There's, there's space there to comment and to connect with us personally as well. Thank Great. you. Oh, that's awesome, man. And we'll definitely, we will do this again because I've got about 110 different things I want to pick your brain on, if nothing else. <laughs> so, I always this has been really fun. conversing with you, Phil. It's been great. Wonderful. Well, thanks so much, man. And I'll have to tell you. Yes, yes. And yeah, give my love and a big hug to Marianne. Wonderful. Okay. All right, man. It's been great. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Have a good one. All right, so that was Andre Rob. I hope you really enjoyed that. I certainly did. Um, I really do recommend you check out Andre. His YouTube is fantastic. There's so much great um, teaching there. He's got such a beautiful way of communicating. Um, obviously, go through his website to find his Instagram, his Facebook, his YouTube, all that different stuff. Um, it was uh, alwaysloved.net. Um, and so, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll see you guys next week. If you can't wait till next week for some more uh, teaching and stuff, you can head over to thegracecourse.com. There's tons of free teaching on there. And if you want to support what we're doing, um, the Grace Course is a great place to um, donate to keep me able to do this completely free um, and, and put out these resources for free. Um, and also, just a reminder, we've got our deconstruction research that we're doing into people that are deconstructing their faith um, unraveling what they believe about God, about themselves, about Christianity. Um, and we're looking at doing a long-term study in that. If you want to be a part of that, um, it's only going to look like maybe five to ten minutes of us doing a survey every few months. Um, you can go and do our initial survey over on thedeconstructionnetwork.com. Um, and that would be amazing if you could be a part of that as well. All right. Love you guys. Have a good one. I'll see you next time.